Big Board. I am your host, Matt Hicks, the FF Educator. This episode is going to sound a little bit different. It is Thanksgiving week. I know folks are going to be on the road, so it felt like a good time to drop the audio version of the 2024 wide receiver class preview. Now, this is available on YouTube, so you're going to kind of feel that YouTube pace to this episode, but wanted to make sure folks got the full breakdown for the wide receiver position. And if you haven't already, folks, now is the time to be able to go in, look at these actual draft evaluations, look at the rankings as they change over on patreon.com slash rookie big board. Uh, so I'll let you go ahead and enjoy this full breakdown of the best wide receiver prospects from the 2024 class. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Yes, you got it right. It is officially 2024 draft season. I'm here to break down the 16 top wide receivers from the class of 2024 that you need to know. Do me a favor. As we get into this video, if you enjoy it, leave a comment. Ask any question about the wide receiver class, about the 2024 class. It's going to do two things. It's going to get more eyes on this video, and it's going to help me give you more advice as we get ready for a wide receiver class that really has the potential to shake up the fantasy football landscape. All right, let's start it here with wide receiver Marvin Harrison Jr. out of Ohio State. No surprise here that he's the top wide receiver on the rookie big board. When we're looking at Marvin Harrison Jr., I'm talking about a guy who will be one of the first four selections in any Superflex rookie draft. In a non-Superflex draft, don't even think twice. He's the locked-in 101. And folks, quite frankly, I wouldn't really complain if you took him at 101 or 102 in a Superflex draft. He's that talented. In terms of when he's going to go in the NFL draft, I do expect he will be a top 10 NFL draft selection. And know throughout this video here, I'm going to give you a dynasty value comp. Over at patreon.com slash rookie big board, one of the things that's so cool about my rankings is I rank everybody from a freshman in college through an NFL veteran on the same value scale. So right now, Marvin Harrison Jr. has the same value as A.J. Brown. That's what that comp means. It's not a stylistic comp. It's a value comp. When we're talking about Marvin Harrison Jr., we're talking about a former five-star wide receiver. He's 6'4", 205, so he has that size, but he also has tremendous athleticism. He wins very well along the boundary. He shows off great vertical ability, which is one thing that's definitely very exciting about his game, but it's not the only thing that's exciting about his game. He has a great release. I talk about it all the time. In my wide receiver process, having a good release is something that I feel uh, really strongly about, and I weight heavier than I know other folks do. 
For me, Marvin Harrison Jr., I don't like to throw around the E word often, but we're talking about elite hands, excellent ball tracking ability. He's fluid before and after the catch, and he has the ability to be elusive, shake defenders after the catch. He is a really special player. And Marvin Harrison Jr., we're going to talk about him with that same potential year one impact as a guy like Jamar Chase did his rookie year. We're talking about Marvin Harrison Jr. as a locked-in first two rounds of a dynasty startup talent. We're not being hyperbolic here. He's a really impactful player. He's going to go early in the NFL draft. He's going to go early in your rookie drafts. And he's going to be a wide receiver one from a dynasty context from the day that he's drafted. Now, this is where the conversation open up a little bit here. Wide receiver two for me is the wide receiver out of LSU, and that is Malik Neighbors. Now, I've been a huge fan of Malik Neighbors back to his summer scouting, and I have not wavered in that one bit. With Neighbors here, we're looking at a 6-0, 204-star uh, prospect coming into LSU. And for me, you know, I-, I love that fluidity. I love his ability to be explosive through his routes. The word smooth really comes to mind a lot when you're talking about his route running ability. He's one of the more technical and well-developed route runners in this class. There's a lot of talent in this class. But I don't know that there's a lot of technical route runners, but Malik Neighbors is certainly one of them. He's really explosive through those routes. When you put him along the boundary, you see that athleticism come to life and you see excellent hands there. All right. He's able to win in contested catch situations. He's able to get himself into space and that ability to get into space. It starts right off the line of scrimmage after the catch. He's twitchy. He's elusive. So we're talking about somebody for me that I think could go as early as 104, but in terms of a realistic range, I think he's going to be a mid-first round pick. I think you should be very happy about the idea of you having a mid-round pick in the 2024 class because Malik Neighbors, for me, he's the same value as Devonta Smith right now. Devonta Smith, a really consistent wide receiver two producer with the fantasy upside and talent to be a wide receiver one on any particular week. And to me, I think Devonta Smith is going to go down a very similar path. My wide receiver three here is Keon Coleman out of Florida State. And I like Keon Coleman a ton as well, but for very different reasons. When you're looking at Keon Coleman here, you're looking at somebody who's a little bit more of a raw prospect, but his athleticism and upside cannot be denied. Keon Coleman, 6'4", 215. He's a four-star prospect. He transferred to Florida State this season from Michigan State where he played basketball as well. I mean, he didn't log serious time, but my man was getting coached up by Tom Izzo. That in and of itself shows that he is a legitimate dual sport athlete. He is a contested catch monster. And I talk about this all the time through my wide receiver process. I don't necessarily overvalue contested catch ability uh, because I don't think it translates the best, but the way that he wins contested catches does translate because he separates before the catch point because he has great vertical athleticism. He doesn't rely on his height. He's got vertical ability on top of that, and he has great ball tracking to pair up with that big man catch radius. He has legitimate track star speed when you put him along the boundary. You let him just run that nine route straight down the sidelines, and he will cook most defensive backs. And again, 
He's 6'4", 215, folks. That speed with that frame, it's going to get him drafted in the top 20 picks of the NFL draft. And I think he's going to go in that similar range, mid-first-round pick here as some of the quarterbacks and then earlier wide receiver picks go off the board. In terms of a dynasty value comparison here, I think he's going to slot right in with JSN. You know, JSN is a guy that I was ready for that year two breakout. We're starting to see some of those flashes and some of those pops. And so I did this value comp comparison because Keon Coleman, depending on the volume situation that he lands in, he might need half a season to, you know, catch up to speed, to adjust to the NFL pace. But I bet by the back end of next season, he's going to be making a serious impact on your fantasy football rosters. All right. Wide receiver four here is my guy. All right. So this is somebody that I've been hyping up all the way throughout the process. I think I'm the highest on Oregon wide receiver Troy Franklin that I've seen out there, and I'm happy to be in this position. So when you're looking at Troy Franklin here, you're looking at a 6'3", 187-pound wide receiver, former four-star recruit, and he's really been the dude in the Oregon offense this year. I think he is a sharp, clean route runner. I love his ability to break in and through his routes. You talk about Troy Franklin, and you have to talk about separation. It's one of the things that I love about him. It's one of the things that I really value in my wide receiver prospects. It was one of the things that I really valued in Chris Alave, and one of the reasons that I bumped him up so high in my rankings the year that he came out. Troy Franklin consistently separates at all three levels of the field. He has smooth speed. He wins with athleticism. And folks, he has sticky hands. He catches everything on target. Now, I know folks get a little worried about the frame. And if you look at Troy Franklin, he does look more slender, right? So you get a little worried. Is he a 2-2 Atwell? Is he somebody who's just going to live along the boundary and stretch the defenses? I don't want to draw a one-to-one comp because it's pretty high praise. But the whole time through, I've been saying Troy Franklin reminds me a lot more of a Devonta Smith in terms of his handwork, his ability to separate, his speed, his smoothness in and out of his routes, much more than just a guy like Tutu Atwell, who you play along the boundary to stretch the defense. Troy Franklin, a little bit higher than consensus, but he's my wide receiver four, and I feel very comfortable with him there. Moving on to wide receiver five here, we're going to go back to the Ohio State, and we're going to talk about Amika Egbuka. Amika Egbuka, a former five-star prospect, coming in at 6'1", 203. He navigates the field with really smooth speed. Amika Egbuka, really great release, specifically off of press coverage. And now this is something that I do like to talk about a lot when I talk about my wide receivers. It's not as common for wide receivers to see press coverage in the NFL. But a guy like Amika Ibuka playing at Ohio State, he will get some situations where he's up against press coverage, right? One of those games this past season was Notre Dame. It was Amika Ibuka's best game of the season. The Irish had really focused in, were doubling down on Marvin Harrison Jr., and Amika Ibuka absolutely ate underneath. That's one thing that you're going to see really consistently from Amika Ibuka when you look at his route running. He works the drags well. He works the slants well. He, he works the, the outs well, uh, you know, but what I've struggled all the way through with Amika Ibuka is he didn't consistently win in the deep field at Ohio State. So I think he's going to be a good fantasy football player, but that's why my comp for him is George Pickens, because George Pickens is living in this wide receiver two world. Uh, and I think that's where Amika Ibuka is going to be. And I'm perfectly good with that. 
as long as you draft him at value, which is in the late first round of your drafts. That for me is the value for Amika Ibuka. He's still a really talented player. There are some draft classes where he could be the second best wide receiver, but this is a really strong wide receiver class. And because of that, specifically for fantasy football, I do project him in that wide receiver two range. But nonetheless, he beats defenses and he has great body positioning. He knows where to be to beat the defensive backs and he has excellent hands. If you put it near him, he's going to reel it in. He's got short area quickness after the catch, and he has very good field vision running with the ball. So Amika Ibuka, he does a lot of things well. I think wide receiver five might be low for some folks, but I'm feeling pretty good about Amika Ibuka wide receiver five, and it speaks more to the overall talent of the class than it does Amika Ibuka himself. Now, wide receiver six here, I got to tell you, I surprised myself with this ranking, but when I watched the film on USC wide receiver Xavier Leggett, I couldn't help myself. He graded out very well in the rookie big board formula. We're talking about a guy with a great frame here at 6'3", 227, and the speed and athleticism that pairs very well with it. Four-star prospect here. Now, you're going to hear a lot in the discourse with Xavier Leggett. He was at South Carolina for four years, and he hasn't really broken out until this year. That is questionable, and it's definitely something that we need to look into and consider. But nonetheless, he was a highly recruited prospect, and we're finally seeing that athleticism come through and in a big way this year. I see him with dominant hands, uh, his ability to, to go up and get the ball along the boundary. Folks, it is like jaw-dropping. I watch a lot of tape on wide receivers. I, I watch a lot of tape every single year. I'm watching 80 to 100 guys every single year. So it is difficult at this point in time to have a play that makes me jump out of my seat. Xavier Leggett had multiple of those plays along the boundary. Just a huge wingspan, excellent catch radius, and he knows how to use it. He wins consistently in traffic. So he's comfortable working that slant over the middle of the field. He's comfortable working a deep post into the middle, you know, through safeties. And he's comfortable catching the ball in contested situations. He accelerates really well in a straight line along the boundary. And he's got short area quickness with a little bit of a shake for a guy that's coming in at 6'3", 227. Xavier Leggett really pops off of the game film. You know, for me, I do think he's going to land in this early second round ADP. And so if you're drafting here with one of the top, you know, three or four picks in your rookie draft, you know, your first round pick is important, but you're going to get a ton of value out of the second round this upcoming year as well. And a guy like Xavier Leggett could give you some really huge upside. Imagine walking away from your dynasty drafts this year with Marvin Harrison Jr. and Xavier Leggett. If I was a rebuilding roster, I like to build wide receiver out. Ooh, I would be very happy with that one. Coming in next year is my wide receiver seven. It's going to be Xavier Worthy out of Texas. Now, Xavier Worthy, he's a guy I've had my eye on since he was a true freshman at Texas because he broke out really early for the Longhorns. And this season, he's put it all together and he's turned into a really nice draft prospect. Xavier Worthy coming in here at 6'1", 172. That 172 might not sound like that much, but I believe he came into college in the, in the high 150s. So he's packed on weight, and he doesn't necessarily look super slim. I mean, he's definitely a smaller build, but he doesn't, you know, he, he carries the 172 well. 
For me, I see a player that is just explosive. That's the word that just, for me, explosive. It just keeps coming up. He's explosive before the catch. He's explosive after the catch. He wins consistently with his release. You know, a Texas will move him all around. They'll put him along the boundary. They'll put him split in. I think he will live in the slot at the next level. But remember, the slot is no longer a doomed projection for fantasy football players. It can be a really good spot. Depending on the offense, I think they could play him more as a flanker, uh, line him up split in, uh, and occasionally along the boundary. He closes space very quickly, and he has great downfield acceleration. He's fearless. You want to talk about a guy with a small frame? No problem working over the middle of the field. There's plenty of examples on tape of Quinn Ewers leading him right into a defensive back. He gets popped. He takes a hit. He holds on to the ball. Xavier Worthy isn't necessarily going to back down. I don't think he's going to have as much appeal as some of the wide receivers that were taken above him because I think he's going to go a little bit later in the draft. I do have this projection here as a top 50 pick. I think it's closer to 50 than it is being a first-round selection here. Uh, so he might be somebody who slips into the early second round of your rookie drafts, and that's perfectly fine with me because when I see that, I see a ton of value at play. The dynasty value comp here of Jahan Dotson, I do want to talk a little bit about because if you go back to Jahan Dotson's rookie season, you saw that he put up a lot of touchdowns despite the fact that he didn't have a ton of volume right away as a rookie. I could absolutely see Xavier Worthy having a similar projection there. All right, next up here, a wide receiver eight. It's going to be Washington's Rome Adunze. And listen, I said it before, if you don't agree with me, put it in the comments. I'm happy to talk it through. I'd imagine I get a few comments here about Washington wide receiver Roma Dunze. And I want to point out here, I like Roma Dunze. I just don't seem to like him as much as the consensus. But let's be positive here and let's talk about the pluses. We're talking about a player with a good frame, 6'3", 215, former four-star prospect. For me, I see that twitchy athleticism. I see his ability to win at the catch point with his vertical ability. I think that's what a lot of folks see when they're watching Roma Dunze. I think they see him win at that catch point, and that's something exciting for him. I do really appreciate the fact that he can get to top speed quickly. I don't think he has the top speed of some of the other guys we've talked about, like an Xavier Worthy, but he can get to his top speed quickly, which is an important aspect of his game. And he's an aggressive runner after the catch. That's where my yellow flag comes up here with Roma Dunze. He does a lot of his damage after the catch. And this is a classic trap for fantasy football managers. It's something that folks consistently overvalue. And the rookie big board formula does not. It's really helped us uh, avoid some uh, landmines in the past. And I'm not saying that Roma Dunze will be a landmine, but I do think he'll have top 50 draft capital. He'll have a great highlight reel. And I do think he's going to go late first round. And I do have that projection up here, as you can see. So I expect Roma Dunze to go earlier than uh, Xavier Worthy and Xavier Leggett, who I just talked about. But I would take the other two guys before him still. We're talking, you know, we're, we're dissecting the differences between a bunch of really strong prospects here. So moving on to number nine, and I do think this is a little bit of a tier drop here. So if you want to go like Marvin Harrison Jr. is in his own tier, and then Malik Neighbors, Keon Coleman, Troy Franklin are in their own tier, and then that next group of guys, Amika Ibuka through Roma Dunze, and now we're going to start a different tier here. And we're going to talk about guys who are landing more in that wide receiver three, you know, back end wide receiver two type projection. Still guys that are very helpful to have into your lineup, 
but I want you to think about them as more flex plays or bi-week fill-ins as opposed to those weekly starters that you're going to lock into your lineup right away. And we're going to start here with Texas wide receiver Adane Mitchell. Adane Mitchell, he has really come on over the course of the 2024 season. He's a transfer from Georgia where he kind of had that George Pickens career, you know, some big plays, but he never really put it all together. And even the beginning of this season for Texas, he had some big plays. It wasn't coming all together, but over the last month of the season, he's starting to now put up some seven, eight, nine reception games over 120 yards multiple times. Now we're starting to see those touchdowns pile up. So things are coming together for the former three-star prospect here. He has consistent hands and he has good ball track. Ability. I like his ability to accelerate along the boundary. I do think he's somebody who's going to work best on the outside at the next level. He's light on his feet. Given the fact that he's 6'4", 196, he carries that very well, and he's very light on his feet. You can see him at times, man. He can shake a defender in space. He can do a little bit after the catch. Uh, what I like about him is you do see a lot of explosiveness from his game but he does it under control. Sometimes these players that are explosive, they they almost juke themselves out of routes. They almost they do too much after the catch when they're trying to shake a guy. Mitchell plays within his frame. He plays within his body. He understands, you know, who he is and what his style is and how he wins. And that isn't something that you can measure, but it is something that can be really helpful when projecting at the next level. Moving in now to wide receiver 10, I'm going to talk about LSU's Brian Thomas Jr. Yeah, he cracked the top 10. Folks, I actually want to get him a little bit higher here. I don't think he's got enough respect on his name. He comes with a great frame as well. 6'4", 205, former four-star prospect. By the way, when we're talking about the frames of this class, talk about a complete 180 from last year. It was a really undersized class overall, but we got a lot of big men. And like I said earlier, I think that's really going to infuse a value into the overall wide receiver position for fantasy football. We already know it's a strong position. So that's saying a lot here for me. I see Brian Thomas jr. I flip on the tape. I'm watching LSU. A lot of folks are catching Malik neighbors and rightfully so because Malik neighbors, we talked about it. He deserves a lot of attention, but my eyes also boom, they divert right over Brian Thomas jr. Because he is physically dominant on the outside. He wins before the catch in contested situations. So that defensive back, that SEC defensive back, they're hanging over him. He uses great handwork. He uses great body positioning. He doesn't, despite the fact that he's 6'4", 205, he doesn't wait for the catch point to win. He separates early, and that is a key trait when translating to NFL success. He has a great catch radius, and he tracks the ball very well. He's able to adjust. You know, Jaden Daniels has had a great season, but he does still have a little bit of a tendency, especially early on in the season, to throw behind Brian Thomas. Brian Thomas is able to react really consistently to that, pull the ball in. And after the catch, 6'4", 205. My man's got a little shake to his game. He can break guys in space. Again, 6'4", 205. Like, this is really impressive combination here, and I just don't feel like we're talking enough about Brian Thomas Jr., so I'm happy to do it here. Wide receiver 11, another guy, and this is kind of classic. This one doesn't surprise me. We don't talk about these guys early in the process, but my goodness, once we get to Indianapolis, we love the speedsters, right? And Roman Wilson, he's a speedster. Verified high school 40 time of 4'3'7", 
and you could see it on the field. So he's going to take the combine by storm. And by doing that, he's going to secure some pretty good NFL draft capital. But it's not just the speed. We're not talking about just the speedster here. When you watch his tape, you see a player that is, is really effective. And I think what you're going to notice here now that we're getting towards the end of the season when Michigan's playing uh, Penn State, when Michigan's playing Ohio State, when Michigan's playing probably in the Big Ten Championship, and then if they're playing in the college football playoff, then we're going to get a lot of eyes on the Michigan offense against good defenses. And you're going to see Roman Wilson. You're going to see all 6-0, of them. You're going to see how fast he is, how quick he is, and how well he accelerates. That might sound redundant, but there's a difference when you're scouting wide receivers between being fast, you know, being quick, and being able to accelerate. All right, fast is your ability to move all over the field, get to top speed quickly. Quickness, we're talking about lateral agility, east, west, your ability to move in tight space. Acceleration, how do you build that speed moving downfield? It's great if a prospect has one of those things. It's it's really great if a prospect has two of those things. If they have all three, folks, that's a special combination here. He separates consistently at all three levels. It is his speed, but he understands how to work angles. He understands how to uh, get defensive backs to bite. An underrated skill. You know, we're talking about his curl route. We're talking about his slant route. He understands how how much defensive backs have to respect his deep ball ability, and he takes advantage of that to create space uh, with that slant route, with that curl route. He's got that sharp footwork. Like I said, my man, he can move east. He can move west just as much as he can run in a straight line, and he has really reliable hands. You know, for a guy who's 6-0, he has a good catch radius relative to his size. You know, I'm not trying to tell you he has that Brian Thomas, Adani Mitchell, Keon Coleman catch radius, but relative to his size, he can go up and snag it. He has some explosive lower body strength and he knows how to use it. Moving on to my next guy here, wide receiver 12, Jamari Thrash. This is one of my sleeper picks. All right, I've been talking up Jamari Thrash in the mock draft episodes and uh, it's time now to give him a little bit more attention, a little bit more of a breakdown. Now, Jamari Thrash, he transferred to Louisville this year uh, from Georgia State, where he had over a 1,000 yards last season. So he catches the eye of the Cardinal. He steps in, and he's the ex-wide receiver in this offense right off the bat. 6'1", 185, a former three-star prospect. He separates right off the line of scrimmage. I love his release. I love his separation ability. He brings in anything that's thrown on target. So he's got really reliable hands. You know, sometimes when you're pulling guys up from the G5, you have to, you know, you maybe sometimes we're relying more on athletic traits and, and the hands can be something that's a secondary thought. It's not with Jamari Thrash. He's got the hands and he is speedy. All right. He moves really well across the entire field. He navigates it very well. He's twitchy. And with the ball in his hands, this isn't a term I use a lot, but it's a good term when I use it. He's slippery. All right, for the fact that he is 185, he is hard to tackle. Multiple examples. You watch the Georgia Tech tape in particular. He is sliding and slipping off of defenders. They're having difficult bringing him down. Uh, and, and so he's getting extra yards. He is physical. He's willing to get tenacious. But he's getting extra yards uh, with good contact balance sliding past him. So wide receiver 12. You know, put him in sleeper territory. I don't think he goes off the board until the third round in your rookie drafts, but I think he sneaks into late day two in your NFL draft, right? And that's why the value comparison I gave here was Michael Wilson, a guy maybe a lot of people didn't know about. You may have drafted him off his draft capital himself, and he's had some really good flashes here in his rookie season. Next guy up here, we're going to go to Georgia. 
And we're going to talk about Lad McConkey. Lad McConkey is a name who a lot of folks got to know in the college football playoff run last year for Georgia, but he's had some really special pops in the time he's been on the field. He struggled with some injury this year, and hopefully he's able to finish the season strong and super productive because I like what I see on tape from him. McConkey, he's coming in here at 6'0", 185. He is a former three-star prospect as well. We're talking about somebody who creates space really effectively downfield. McConkey, it will really surprise. He gets to top speed so quickly. I think he's going to rock his 40 time because he just gets going right off the line of scrimmage and he can get into that deep field very fast. I think that's going to be something really effective. I think McConkey can be a guy who really lives on the seam at the next level and he can absolutely eat off the seam like a la Hollywood Brown, right? I don't think he gets that same draft capital as Hollywood Brown, but I do think he sneaks into the back end of day two and he can really eat over the middle of the field. So a guy like Jacoby Myers, you know, where he turns into a real PPR guy, despite not having like the uh, high end draft capital uh, and, and a guy that you'll probably be able to get, you know, mid mid round two, uh, it, it's going to be a pretty good spot here. I do put lad here at mid round two because George is probably going to make another run at the college football playoff. If they do win it again, I think McConkey will be a big piece of it. And that folks always overvalue that because a lot of casuals will just be watching that tape. So it'll probably push up the ADP there in your rookie drafts. Uh, but he's a really good player. He's got reliable hands and he reacts really well to off-target passes. He brings in the ball at all three levels of the field. All right, coming in here at wide receiver 14, uh, this is somebody that you might have wanted to see a little bit earlier. And I reserve the, the right to move Devontae Walker way up board as we get further into the draft process. But I am recording this video in November. I'm probably the only sicko here that's done over 20 wide receiver draft evaluations already by the time November started. But I get ahead of it and get here early to give you that insight and information, right? So make sure you're subscribed, by the way, because we're going to do this breakdown for every single player. And then, of course, we get into rookie profile season. There's nobody that's going to help you with your rookie drafts more uh, than right here on this page. And, of course, the insights and the information over at patreon.com slash rookie big board. But anyways, I say all of that just to point out the fact here. This is an early evaluation on Tez Walker, right? There's not a ton of tape on him. He's only played a month uh, after coming back from the weird suspension appeal thing. And there's certainly a lot to like about Tez Walker's upside, but there's also some realistic expectations here that we have to have in terms of giving a guy who just transferred from the G5 at Kent State more time to develop into a prospect. But let's focus on his game. Let's focus on his style here. 6'3", 200, so he's got that good size. I think he's a really reliable target. He's got really nice ball skills. He's comfortable working in traffic. He'll work over the middle of the field. He'll work in double coverage. He's not phased by that. He still will go up. He'll still win. He's able to take a hit and hold on to the ball. He One of the reasons is because he maintains really good body positioning at all times along the boundary, over the middle, and he has really smooth speed. I don't think he's the burner type guy. I don't think he goes to the, the, the 40 here and runs the best time in Indianapolis but I think he does a good job there. And so that's why I've got him, you know, Alec Pierce. I know Alec Pierce hasn't exactly hit yet, but we drafted him based on that athletic profile and that opportunity to develop. And I do think Alec Pierce could still hit. So I think if Tez Walker declares that is what he would do, you know, that that's the range. He would be a late day two draft pick. Um, but again, certainly we have more time for him to show off. I believe he does have another year of eligibility. I could be incorrect, but I believe he could come back and reclassify for 2025. That's not off the table yet. 
But I do think if he declares, he goes in the back end of day two. I have two more guys to talk about. My goal with this video was just to talk about the guys that, you know, projected as, as day one and two draft picks, the first three rounds of the NFL draft. But there were two guys who I, I can't put that day two draft capital projection on them yet, but I do think they could get there. So I wanted to add them onto it here. So it'll be 16 total players uh, for you. And let's talk about the guy out of Western Kentucky. Malachi Corley. Corley's coming in here at 5'11", 210. It's a really nice uh, size profile. He carries that weight well. I like his ability to speed up moving downfield. He's quick and short area. He catches everything thrown on target. And let me tell you, folks, not everything's been thrown on target this year. Uh, you know, Austin Reed hasn't really been what we've wanted him to be the quarterback, but Malachi Corley is still eating. He's still producing. He has great field vision. And after the catch, he is a tenacious runner. He's a physical runner. He is trying to scrap out everything after the catch. And that's why Western Kentucky will give him a lot of looks at or near the line of scrimmage because they know he can do a lot with the ball after the catch. Very comfortable working in traffic, working those drag routes underneath, working those slant routes, you know, uh, going out hitting the curl routes. He's very effective working underneath and working in traffic, even downfield on his post route. So I think Malachi Corley can do a lot. I do think he's one of these types of guys that can go to the senior bowl. And if, you, if he performs well in the right drills and those isolation drills, all of a sudden it'll just be this, this snowball momentum effect uh, for Malachi Corley. So lots of like about him. And the last guy that we're going to talk about, well, not really the last guy. I'm actually, I got some bonus picks here after Jalen Polk, but we're going to talk about Jalen Polk out of Washington here. So the second Husky we're going to talk about Polk, he's coming in 6'2", 204, former three-star prospect. I think he's a really short-handed wideout. He's got good vertical ability, good ball skills. He's a quick athlete. He's a fluid athlete, and he wins well off of the release. The reason that I currently have Polk as a day three prospect, I like pretty much everything about his tape. I just don't love anything about his tape. And that's one thing I talk about a lot when it comes to fantasy football projections. If there's not one thing that you do very well, it could be difficult for you to be put in a position in the NFL where you're able to really eat and see volume early, right? It's, it's hard for that coach to tailor that opportunity and manufacture that for you. And we know all the time in fantasy football, man, if you don't hit right away, your value just absolutely plummets right or wrong. So for me, Jalen Polk, I like a lot of him. I don't love anything. So I think he's an early day three prospect at this point in time. I think he goes in the middle of the third round in your rookie drafts, but he's definitely somebody who could return good value there in the middle of the third round. And so before we log off here, like I said, I'm logging over 20 full draft evaluations, by the way, full tape notes, full breakdowns on all of these guys. And of course the rankings overall for your rookies, as well as access to the rookie big board discords where we're talking trades, roster advice, rookie draft picks all year round. Uh, you can get all of that over at patreon.com slash rookie big board. But I wanted to quickly run through some of the guys that, you know, I wanted to keep this video relatively short so I couldn't keep doing breakdowns, but I didn't want to totally forget about these guys. So let's go ahead. Let's give a shout out here. Jermaine Burton, the wide receiver out of uh, Alabama, started his career at Georgia. It's been a very inconsistent career, but he's had some huge flashes this year. And you go and you watch the Texas A&M tape and you can convince yourself that this guy's a legitimate day two draft pick. Xavier Weaver out of Colorado, I think he works really well along the boundary. I think his game translates well there. Uh, I, I, I like his contested catchability. 
Uh, so I do like Xavier Weaver a good bit. Jimmy Horn Jr. does have another year of eligibility, and I do think he probably returns to Colorado, but he's a super quick speedster. I love him out of the slot. I think he could eat out of the slot, but I do think he probably returns for another year at Colorado. Torrey Horton Jr., he's somebody who the NFL draft community has been really hyping up out of Colorado State. I was excited to watch his tape. I came away a little disappointed. You know, I, I didn't love his ball skills. He didn't separate really consistently. And if you're not separating consistently against Mountain West Conference defensive backs, I don't I don't have a lot of hope for you. Bo Collins, we're just going to keep rooting for Bo Collins. He's an athlete. He plays well along the boundary, but it just it hasn't come together yet. Antoine Juice Wells, that one's tough. It's it's injuries have really hampered his season. So he's going to be somebody that we're going to have to watch and see how their draft stock ebbs and flows throughout the draft process. A lot of folks are probably upset that I didn't do a full breakdown of Johnny Wilson. And like I said, feel free to let me hear about it in the comments. Just like the video first, and then you can roast me in the comments. Uh, but with uh, Johnny Wilson Jr., he's a big frame, but he's slow. He's slow, and, and I know he's got the frame. He body catches. He has drops. You don't have good – his best opportunity – I know folks love his highlight reel. They get really excited about that size. I think his best opportunity is if he converts to tight end because he won't have to produce at that high of a level in order to be fantasy relevant in our you know overall tight end landscape right now. Uh, Terrell Vaughn out of Utah State, having gotten his film eval in yet – because believe it or not, folks, there's not a ton of Utah State film laying around. But if you have it, let me know because I've watched him live and I've really enjoyed when I've watched him live. Ricky Pearsall is somebody who's gaining a lot of momentum. I believe he will be at the Senior Bowl or at least he's gotten a Senior Bowl invite. Uh, Theo Weese out of Missouri, I think, is somebody who is just flying under the radar. He was at Oklahoma. He had really good production. And Luther Burden justifiably so, has taken all of the spotlight at Mizzou this year, but Theo Weiss is having a pretty good season as well. And Jacob Cowing, I don't know if he declares, but I think he's a really good prospect out of Arizona. So there you have it, folks. It's 16 wide receivers. Make sure to like the video. Drop a comment. It's draft season. We're going to be doing this for every position. You're going to want to be subscribed on YouTube, and you're going to want to be subscribed over at patreon.com slash rookie big board. Hey, listen, full breakdown, you know, 16 plus guys, you watch the whole video. I really appreciate that. <laughs>